All right, good morning. It's good to see you here. It's really good to be together again on a Sunday morning. It seems like, or as I thought about it, it felt like a long time since we were together on Sunday morning. Christmas service was canceled, unfortunately, and then New Year's Eve we were together um, Saturday evening and had church. And I wanted to just give a big shout-out to Dwendal and Emily and their life group for planning that service in that evening. Um, If you weren't here, you missed out because we had a really, really enjoyable evening. It was such a good time in in, in reflecting over over things, but then also just in hanging out, playing games. Um, It was a really good time. So thank you, Dwendal Emily, and your group for planning that. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about 2023, right? What's in front of us? Um, here, it's so interesting, um, we were together with family over the holidays here. How many of you remember Y2K? You'll show your age if you do, right? We got married just before Y2K, so at least we could get our wedding in if everything went kabooey after but we were sitting there, sitting around there talking about Y2K, and all of our children, all the grandchildren, no one had a clue. It's like, what's that? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Are we that old? But you, if you remember, like, Y2K was, like, this big thing. This, there's, 1999 was ending, and something new, completely unknown, was coming. Well, it turned out to be just another day, right? But... I mean, in thinking about, like, New Year's, I'm not a big guy, like, for resolutions and all that stuff. I think setting goals, that kind of thing, that's good. And New Year's does feel like a time, when you, when you change into a new year, it feels like there's something new beginning. So something is ending and something is beginning. So it's a good time to be, be reflecting, a good time to be thinking ahead. And as I thought about thinking ahead, like, for my own life, Looking ahead into this coming year, there was one word that kept playing in my mind, and I'm not sure did I hear it here one, one, when we were talking about it, New Year's Eve or not, but the word perspective. If there's anything that, that we need as we go into 2023, it's perspective. Because if we have the right perspective, a godly perspective on whatever's coming, the goals that we set, the unknown things that are in front of us, if we have the right perspective, it changes how it actually impacts our lives. So I was thinking about perspective, and that's a great thought, but I was like, so how do you keep the proper perspective? So there's the the question. So yeah, it's great. I want to have a good perspective this year. All right, so how am I going to do that? So if you would turn to Psalm 37... Psalm 37 is um, such a super practical psalm. We're only going to, it's a long psalm, 40-some verses, I think. We're only going to look at the first six verses. But most of the psalms are written as praise or as lament or prayers or songs singing to God. This psalm is actually, all of it is written to the people. So, David here is an old guy when he writes this psalm. He says later on in the psalm that he says, I was once, I was young, but now I'm old. A few of us can say that as well, right? There was a time when I was young, but now I'm old. 
So what, what I want us to be thinking about as, as we read these verses and as we go through this, um, this morning is picture David sitting across the table from you over a cup of coffee, just giving you some really practical advice on how you can keep a good perspective for 2023. He's an old man. He's a sage. We all need mentors in our lives, right? So this morning, I want us to see David, see David as your mentor. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So here you have this old guy. He's seen a lot of life. He's seen a lot of life. He's experienced rejection from family. Remember Absalom trying to overthrow him. He's experienced war. He's experienced all kinds of failures in his life. He's experienced the goodness of God in his life. All these things that he's experienced, and now he's telling you, here are things that you need to remember. And he starts off with telling us two things that we should not do. But he doesn't stay there, and we won't spend... I want, to, I want us to focus then on the things that David tells us to do, but it makes a difference in the things that he tells us not to do. Do you notice how he starts the psalm? The very first word is fret. It's not a word that we use a whole lot anymore, right? I've never heard someone say, oh, I am fretting so much over whatever. But what, what does it mean to fret? See, I used to, in my mind, I often always just go, well, to worry. And it holds that idea of to worry, but he says, don't worry about the evildoers, or don't fret about the evildoers. <clears throat> and so I, so I did a little bit of a word study on the word fret, and it actually means to burn or to get heated. So have you ever been in, in a conversation or you've seen something happening in our world and you feel yourself just getting hot? You feel your temperature just beginning to rise. David's just saying, just cool down. Chill. Boy, don't we need to hear that about now in our world? I mean, you talk about heated people. There's so many things that get people so agitated. Actually, one of the translations uses the word agitated. You take an agitator and you stir something, like you put it in a blender. It just, it stirs everything into a frenzy. That's what David's telling us to not do. But to not do it because of the evildoers. I don't think I have to tell you guys that there's a tremendous amount of division, there's animosity, there's, there's hatred, there's all these things in our world that we see. And we see people responding in very heated ways. They let their temperature rise, and rather than cool down, they just let it erupt. We see it all the time. David says, don't do that. But why not? What happens, what, happens, what happens when 
you let yourself get all heated up about a situation or about things that you see. And it's easy. This isn't something that we just see non-believers doing. I see, I see Christians doing this. And I see it like you, you see it on social media. You see Christians responding in very unchristlike ways, just blowing their top. So, so what does it do when I get, let myself get all heated up about a situation, even over things that are just flat-out evil? He says it's towards evildoers. I don't know what all we're going to see in 2023, but we see a lot of things, ungodly things being shoved down our throats and saying, you need to embrace this, you need to accept this, and you need to approve of it whether you like it or not. I don't think that's going to change in 2023. But David's saying, don't get all heated up about it. Because when you do that, you lose perspective. He says, don't fret. Now, he's not saying, don't educate yourself. Don't understand. Don't know what's going on. Don't live in ignorance about it. But change your response. Because what happens... What happens when, when I get and I allow myself to get all heated up and agitated is that the things that I'm looking at or observing begin to get all cloudy. My vision is all cloudy. Things get all fuzzy. And interesting enough, when, it, when that happens to me, the only, when, I, when I get all agitated about something, I want to prove to that person or about that situation that I'm right and you're wrong. That becomes the primary focus when I let myself get all heated up and agitated. Because I want to prove that I'm right, and I want to prove that you are wrong. And when we as Christians do that, we have this, this tunnel vision. We can't see the bigger picture, but I think we also we, we begin to lose our ability to be a positive, life-giving influence in the world. When we address the world's problems by their methods, by getting all heated up and blowing our fuse, we lose our ability to actually be a positive change agent in our world. And it takes the life out of yourself, too, by the way. It sucks the life out of you. And David actually addresses that, how do we then actually be the life-giving, changing, positive, influencing kind of people in the world? So he says, don't fret. Don't let yourself get all heated up about the evil that's happening in our world. And then the second thing he tells you not to do or tells us not to do is to not be envious of wrongdoers. Don't get caught in the trap of envy. And I think we probably, we probably all like to think that that's, envy is not something that actually affects me. But doesn't it? We look at people, we, we, we often, we, we catch ourselves looking at people, watching people, observing people. And he says, you notice he said, don't be envious of wrongdoers. Well, why would you be envious of wrongdoers? Read through the Psalms sometimes and notice how many times David gets upset and blasts off or unloads to God in a way about how successful the wicked people are. And it looks that way sometimes. You see the... the Oh, accumulated wealth, all, all this stuff that wicked people, and it looks like they're just living the life, right? And there's a, sometimes there's this part of us that, like, man, wouldn't that be nice? 
Look at the vacation that they just went on. Look at the kind of car they drive, the truck they drive, whatever it might be. Their families look like they've got it all together. By the way, social media, there's lots of good in it, all right? But probably the biggest feeder of envy in our lives that we have. Because what do you see on social media? What, what, what do I post on social media? So if, if you're someone who loves to cook, you'll, you'll show this beautiful plate of food, whatever that you made. Whatever. But over here is a kitchen that might be a disastrous mess, or maybe it was an hour ago. You're not going to show that. You're going to show the good, right? That's okay. Whatever. I'm not saying don't do that. But... When we, that's all we see. We see all the good that's in everyone else's lives. And suddenly the, the, this discontentment begins to stir up, almost subconsciously. And we need to re- really be aware because the next thing we know, we're caught in this trap of envy. And it's like being caught in a net. So you're all tangled up in it. And there's no way to get out but, but by God's grace. So it's a dangerous trap that's incredibly detrimental to the life of the believer. So the old sage David, your mentor this morning, tells you, tells us, don't fret and don't envy, because that will skew your perspective. It just will. Automatically it does. So these things skew our perspective. What are some practical things that actually help us hold on to a proper perspective? So David, like any good mentor, in verse 3, he takes us there. And there's three words that I want us to remember. And these are words that I want to keep in front of me as I go into 2023. I want us as a church to keep these in front of us. And at the end, I've got a couple, three questions that I want us to consider as we go. And they have to do with these three words. You see him right there in verses 3 to 6. He says, trust. And he says, delight. And he says, commit. Those are ways that we can get up in the morning and if we walk through those, those three verses, I trust in God, I delight myself in the Lord, and I commit my ways to Him, suddenly my perspective for that day is right on. And I can face the day, I can face the evil, and, and all the stuff around, I can see all the, all the good things that are someone else is portraying, and this fretting, this envying, suddenly it's not, I don't need that, because I've got something, something else. So trust. Let's start with trust. Do you trust God? Are you fully confident in God this morning? Are you completely sure that He's got you? You see, it's easy for, for me to stand here and say, oh yeah, I do. I do trust God. couple things about trust. Trust implies that I need something. So if you want to sit down, you need a chair. And you're going to trust that that chair holds you. When, when I trust something, trust always has an object. There's always something that I'm trusting, and it's something that is not, well, sometimes we think we, we do trust ourselves. But there's always, trust always has an object, and it implies that I actually need something. And the other thing, 
when we're talking with people about people, trust is built through relationship. So if I want to develop a deep trust in God, it's going to happen through relationship. So relationship is absolutely key, and it, that comes in a little bit later as well, that, the relationship part. But the thing that I would, one thing about trust that I, I want to mention this morning is that trust, trust re- requires an action. Are you tracking with me? So if I say that I trust that chair, but I refuse to sit down on it because I think it's probably going to break under my weight, that's not trust, right? If I trust that chair, I'm going to go sit down. Have you ever gone ziplining? How many of you have gone ziplining? I love ziplining. So that's a lot of fun. If you've got a big, long zipline, okay, so you go get all harnessed in, get all the clamps on, everything in place, you better trust that harness that is going to hold you. You better trust the guy that's clipping you into the actual zip line. And you can say all day long that you trust that harness, that you trust that clamp that's holding you to the actual zip line. You can trust that those pulleys are going to hold you, that that line is not going to break. You can say you trust the guy that's strapping you in, but at some point it doesn't mean anything unless you actually jump off the ledge and you let go, and you actually go. Isn't that how our relationship is with God? Trusting means that I act on it. And there's, there's all kinds of different ways that I, that I do that, because if I just give a verbal assent or verbal acknowledgement that I trust God, it's just that. But something in my life should show that I trust God, Right? Do you notice what David says? He says in verse 3, this is the first phrase in verse 3, trust in the Lord and what? Do good. Do good. Does our world need people who just flat out do good? And I'm not talking, so I'm not talking about just being a witness and evangelizing. That should be an out, a byproduct of me being a follower of Christ, I'm going to want other people to walk in a relationship with Christ. I'm talking about things just flat out doing good things. Jesus talks about giving a cup of cold water in someone's name. Um, I was so glad to see the homeless shelter meal doing, doing things for the homeless shelter. And then Andrew mentioned that we're going up to Haven of Rest because I was going to mention the homeless shelter, the friends of the homeless down in New Philly. I just, it was a couple weeks ago, I got a call from them, and they sent a letter out today. I, was, I forgot to bring it. It'll be back on the bulletin board. Just showing appreciation for what a simple meal that we provide for the people there. And the, what, what was described in that letter was that just us carrying it off, this doing good brings hope. We don't have to go down there and preach. We don't have to... There's times for that. Don't get me wrong. But we don't have to go do all this other big, huge stuff. Just go do good. So what does that look like for you in 2023? What does it look like for you for the rest of this day? Go and do good. And then the the last part of that verse catches my attention. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. 
dwell in the land. So, if you're here this morning, it's because God's called you here. So, dwell in the land, I take is This is where God has you. Do good right now. Sometimes it's easy, well, if I could just, if we would just be over here, if I could just go to this place here, I could actually do good and be a, a really good witness for Christ. Do good right now. Whatever that, whatever that looks like for you, for us as a church, this week we're going to be gathering stuff for the homeless shelter. We'll be serving a meal. Do good. Offer hope. There's something really, really powerful in that. And by the way, remember I said that when we fret, when we get all heated up, it actually minimizes or even takes away our ability to be a positive influence for God in our culture, in our world. Right here is how you actually be a positive influence. The world is full of people who are all heated up. Let's bring something different. Do good in the name of Christ. Then he goes on in verse 4 and he says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Probably the most familiar verse in this psalm. I heard one guy describe it as this is a, like a refrigerator magnet verse. It's one that we throw up and think about. It's so familiar. And yet it's probably been mispresented many, many, many times. I'm sure there are people, I know there are people, and maybe you even know some, who, who almost hate this verse because of how it's been presented. That if you, somehow you do X, Y, and Z, that every, heart, every desire of your heart is going to suddenly now be, a fil- be fulfilled. But what, what's he really saying? What's he saying about delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of the heart? It's easy. Our natural self wants to go straight to the second part and he will give you the desires of your heart and we can start listing the desires of our heart. Just click, 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 click. Make your own list. You've got a list. Sure you do. I do. Whatever that list is, do you know what God says to do with it? He says just put it on the back burner. Put it in the background for a minute. And you think, boy, I need a new career. Boy, if I could just be in a relationship, if, if my marriage would just be better. All of these things, whatever it might be, God just says, put it in the back burner and do this. Delight yourself in God. Simply enjoy God. Enjoy being with God. The word delight carries this idea that you find your joy and your satisfaction. That's the big word, satisfaction in God. So if you find your joy and your satisfaction in God, what does that do to the desires of my heart? So whatever those desires may be, whatever yours are this morning, God says, for now, put those in the back burner Find your satisfaction, find your joy, find your delight in me right now. What happens then to those desires? You know what? Sometimes God just comes and he flat out fulfills them. Sometimes he brings you a new career and it just takes off like crazy. Whatever, whatever that is on your list, sometimes God comes 
Because when I put those things on the back burner, and right in this, this moment, my focus is, and I find my satisfaction in God alone, now I'm safe sometimes. It makes me a safe recipient of those desires. And other times, when I find my satisfaction in God, that delight in God alone, suddenly my desires start to shift. The things that were so important to me, that are such a big deal to me right now, suddenly it's like, okay. You see how it changes your perspective when you delight in God? So I want you to think about how you delight in God because it's not talking about a transaction. Delighting is not in God is not, well, you doing this, you going to church every Sunday morning, you praying more, you reading your Bible a little bit more, and then you're going to get this. It's not that kind of a transaction thing that's going on. It's talking about a deep, fulfilling, and satisfying relationship. So the trust involves a relationship. The delight involves a relationship. And one thing you'll find is that when you delight yourself in Jesus, it multiplies, it grows. The more that we learn and grow in delighting in God, the more we want it, the more we want to delight in God. And by the way, don't forget, God delights in you. Let that sink in. God delights in you. And so there's this relationship happening. It's not about a transaction. It's about a relationship. The last one is commit. You see that in, there in verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. So again, I'm going to give you a definition. The word commit, it literally means to roll away. To roll away. So what am I rolling away? I'm rolling away your way. right? Roll away your plans for 2023. Not, I'm not saying throw them out the door, but roll them away in giving them to God. Roll away together is one way, um, one definition that I found. So give your plans, your goals for 2023, everything that you want to accomplish, all of that. It says give it to God. Don't carry it. It carries this idea of surrender. I don't know how many of you, maybe for surrender is easy for some of you, but to fully surrender my will and my way to God is a very, very difficult thing. But I believe it's one of the ways that we delight in God. I, see, I think these three just like flow together so much. I can commit my way, I can surrender my way to God the more that I learn to trust Him. The more I learn to delight in Him, the easier it is to just surrender more and more of myself to God and all my ways to him. We sing that one song in, in worship, um, all my ways are known to you. It's just this, this acknowledgement, this giving, this surrendering that it's all his. At our New Year's Eve service, I thought Dwendal, Dwendal said this so well when he was talking about, um, he was just sharing reflections on his own life, and he talked about living your, living your life with an open hand. That's what this word commit here, that's what this is implying, is that I go into this new year, 
all these things that are in front of me, and I simply hold it with an open hand. It's that versus the clenched fist. This is my way. This is, says, God, here it is. I commit my way to you. So give it, hold it with an open hand to God. And then look what it says. I, I just want to just point out this really quick. Commit your ways to God. When you do that, and then it says, trust in him, and he will act. He will act. It's not something that I have to try to accomplish or whatever. But when I learn to trust, to delight, and to commit, I think it gives God a freedom. It gives God the space to begin to really move and act in my life and in your life. And even in the life, in the life of our church as we go into this year, my prayer is that, that those, those three words can be front and center in everything that we do, that we trust, we delight, and that we commit in 2023. Jamie, do you want to get that slide up here? So as you think about those three words, see, here's, here's the thing. I love that David starts with the things that we should not do, but he doesn't stay there. Because when we focus on the things that we shouldn't do, if that's our primary focus, we tend to kind of gravitate towards that. So what, what, I, what, I, what I want for us today is that the trust, delight, and commit, that that becomes my focus. So these, these are the questions that I want us to be thinking and taking into 2023 as individuals and us as a church. In what area of your life do you want to trust God more deeply in 2023? What is one way that you can increase your enjoyment of God? Think about that. And well, what's one part of your life that you need to surrender? So I simply want to end with those three questions for us to think about as we move into this new year that we trust, we delight, and we commit it to God. We'll keep those up there for a little bit if you want to jot them down or screenshot them, whatever. But I'd encourage you to keep those in front of you and actually sit down sometime and just jot down some, some answers for that. All right, Dwendal, is the food ready? You were out there? Okay, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to close the service. We'll have prayer.